Hello, friends. Kirk Henderson and Josh Bo coming to you at exactly 10 p.m. on Wednesday, November 2nd. The Dallas Mavericks just defeated the Utah Jazz at home 103 to 100. Josh, how are you? I'm doing okay. Um, this was a very interesting, very interesting game. And I'm just happy that the Mavericks came away with a with a win from it. I, I really think that's that's the chief takeaway because had they lost this game, we would need to be having some real discussions. Even though the Jazz are kind of a surprising early season team, there at the end of things, I think they'll probably end up uh, you know deciding to mega tank at some point because that's sort of the, the purpose of their squad. But lately, they've been playing really well to kick off the year, and the Mavericks got you know, punched in the mouth a little bit early. They're down 12 in the first quarter. And then they elected to play zone defense and held the Jazz to 65 points the rest of the game. Uh, and really, they held them to even more than that. It's just the Jazz kind of had a late flurry in the final minutes when the Mavericks were up by by enough points. And it's it's just sort of one of these games where I think the, the best takeaway um, is to be glad that they won to maybe read into a couple of elements into what helped them come back and maybe just sort of dust your hands and walk away because, you know, giving up 35 points to the jazz in the first quarter is really annoying. And I don't want to like, oh, cause going and going zone is not really a, that's not something you can do against a truly good team. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was, it was, it was nice uh, party trick and, Boy, did the Jazz not know what to do with that. I mean, that was, mm-hmm. I mean, it's one thing for you to be like, for that to kind of throw throw you for a loop, but the Jazz like forgot how to play basketball every time the Mavericks played zone. I mean, they were throwing some gnarly turnovers and putting up some weird shots. Um, this was a low possession, low scoring game, and they had 16 turnovers. Uh, that doesn't seem like a lot, but in this this kind of game, it felt like a ton. Um, I mean, they're starting backcourt, Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson combined for seven turnovers. I mean, they were just, they were sloppy with the ball, but credit for the Mavericks for basically, like you said, after the first quarter, they kind of flipped a switch. Um, they didn't look like they wanted to start this game. And then the second quarter started and they kind of were like, oh, we got to, we got to play a basketball game tonight. (laughs) Well, they got into gear from the second quarter on. So I, I we just sort of got to get this elephant out, out of, of the room. We need to talk about it because I think it's going to define conversations for the next couple of days. And you and I, in no small part, have led the charge on this early in the year, though I don't necessarily think this player – like what what in the hell is happening with JaVale McGee versus Dwight Powell? Like just to give people context if you missed the game, McGee was played eight minutes and was a negative seven. And I don't really necessarily think he was that bad while he was on the floor, but the Mavericks were that bad while he was on the floor. Then Dwight Powell plays a mere 19 minutes and is a plus 25. (laughs) I I don't know what to do with these two things because I, I obviously I think that, that Powell's energy is pretty valuable to, to how the Mavericks set a tone. And I think McGee, McGee, just to be quite honest, plays like he constantly, like he sharded and he's trying to hide it. He he just is, he, he is such a low energy player. And 
I, I feel that there's an element. I don't want to lay the Mavericks energy at McGee's feet. Like that's not fair. That's more on Luca, but I, I just, how much longer can this McGee experiment go on? I don't know. And the weird thing was tonight, I don't even feel like was one of his worst games. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was fine. Uh, he was yeah. weird. Yeah. Um, like the start of the third quarter where the jazz went, like went up to a 15 point lead in like three or four minutes at the start of the second half. I honestly pin more of that on Luca. He yep. came out like Luca looked really bad to start the first quarter and to start the third quarter. So I don't know what's, you know, does is that because McGee's out there and there's something going on, or like if Powell was out there, would it would it not make a difference? Like, is it just Luca's mindset to coming out of the half or starting a game? I don't, I don't really know. Uh, and I know Luca ended with a brilliant line, uh, but his defense in in the first five minutes of the first quarter and the first five minutes of the third quarter were just really bad. And you know, does, is that McGee's fault that he kind of gets sandbagged there tonight by the Ma- like the rest of the Maverick, like the rest of the four Mavericks on the floor, not looking like they have their S together to start the game yep. in the third quarter? Like, I don't know. Like, is it is there just some chemistry thing? But I mean. It is what it is. The Mavericks keep starting games and they keep starting second halves getting kind of run off the floor and then things stabilize in the second quarter, things stabilize, you know, toward the end of the third quarter. So I don't know. I mean, they got to figure it out because it's, you know, it's unwise to keep being down double digits in every single first quarter, but um, it didn't bite them in the butt tonight because they just turned it on in that second quarter and the zone defense helped and, yeah, Dwight Powell. He's he's do he's doing Dwight Powell things. Yeah, it. I I I tend to agree with you. Like I don't. I have been vocally and consistently on the McGee signing as being terrible because it was terrible. Like there's no other way around that. But in this specific game, I feel like that some like that it wasn't necessarily him. Only that when. Powell went in the game, things changed enough to make a difference. And like, there's just a whole bunch of weird stuff in this game. Like, would you believe that Sp- Spencer Dinwiddie took 20 shots? Like I-, I I'm looking at this and I'm just like, I don't feel like he took 20 shots, but he did. Like I, I th- this is just one where I think we're going to have to chalk it up, be glad that they won and walk away. I mean, <laughs> there's some real concerns in this in this box score like tim hardaway my friend you've got to find something somebody pointed it out to me online i many dms during the game that basically said every time tim does something on his own something bad happens if he's fed a shot it's fine but when he's like forcing it's it was it was atrocious i mean one of nine that's hard against the jazz because they're not they're not fantastic on defense what do you make of him yeah i mean it's kind of what he was doing uh, before you got hurt last year, which is the worry, right? And mm-hmm. for me, it's been, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. has a pretty long track record. He's been in this league for a while now. He's not a young pup. Um, he's only had, you know, before he came to Dallas, he only had one season where you can consider him like a positive player, and it was when he was with Atlanta. And then all those other years in New York, he was a, a minus player. And then he comes to Dallas and, you know, the midseason trade, he doesn't look great, uh, but he wasn't really healthy. He had a, a surgery to end the season, I think. And then he plays the two best seasons of his career back to back, his first two full seasons with Dallas. 
Uh, and you're kind of like, oh, did the Mavericks just kind of find something? And, and now, you know, last season and this season, uh, he's kind of gone back to to what he was before he came to Dallas. And part of me is worried that uh, Hardaway's pr- productivity was tied at the hip of Rick Carlisle, who, uh, as we all know, had a very strict and stringent offensive uh, philosophy and rule set and what players were allowed to do and not do. Yeah, And for a player like Tim Hardaway, who has a bunch of bad habits um, before he came to Dallas, I felt like Carlisle was really good for him because Carlisle was basically like, hey, we're cutting all this bad crap out of your game. You're going to take spot up threes. You're going to take, you know, threes within the the motion of our offense. You're going to cut out all that dribbling stuff. You're going to cut out all the bad long twos. You're going to cut out all the bad drives to the rim. And you're just going to take open good shots uh, when you Mm -hmm. get fed them or – you're going to attack a closeout and you're going to go to the rim and you're not going to pull up for an 18 footer. And when he was pegged into that role, he was phenomenal. And, you know, Jason Kidd has brought a lot of things that Ricardo didn't to this team. And, you know, they had their most successful season ever last year. And we have to give credit to, to kids coaching for, uh, for part of that. Uh, and how he, you know, the players, the stories were written, you know, Carlisle was rigid and the players were kind of tired of it. And Kid is definitely more open, more loose with how things go. And maybe for a player like Tamari Jr., who has these, who picked up so many bad habits his first, you know, six, seven years in the league, maybe it just it doesn't mesh. Maybe just Kid's coaching style and Hardaway's uh, ability just don't mesh uh, for whatever reason. But again, you know, six games. Although you know the forty-two games he played last year were also not good. So. That's a concern, and we're just going to have to wait and see until the sample is larger before yeah. we make a definitive statement. But that's just like – that's the concern. We'll see if it, if it turns out that way. Well, and then the other thing that's worth addressing has to be the truly like all of one thing. And then, I mean, Christian Wood was so rough <laughs> in that first half. yeah, And then in the second half – he plays a really remarkable game. Finishes with 21 points on 15 shots, grabs 10 rebounds. Um, pretty much the only statistical contributions he had, which is really funny. He had three turnovers, but those turnovers were happening in like the first half, like some like a weird a weird travel call. Elements of why you why why everyone who is bullish on on Wood was so there was a a a, a missed free throw coast to coast like like Giannis Antetokounmpo light dunk there were some oops there were some post feed it's like there's a reason why I think and a lot of us think the Mavericks need to feature him the way that KP sort of demanded to be featured but wasn't good enough for um if if the offense is really gonna hum it's gonna be because of Wood's involvement there's some statistics that have been flying around the past couple of days. Wood is not involved in enough pick and rolls, just period, uh, particularly with Luca. But hopefully that's something that the Mavericks can work out. They have to find him more minutes. It's crushing, kid, that he can't, that that he's going to have to play Wood more. I can just, because Wood is kind of a mess on defense. Like there's. Tonight was definitely his tonight was his worst defensive game in terms but, of like how noticeable it was. He was But he was I don't think he gets any better without yeah. the be like like you know in in a truly wild concept. What I recommend the Mavericks do is that they coach him, is that they show him where he's making mistakes because 
he's a really fluid, natural basketball player in a way that cannot be taught. And he helps. I mean, they don't win this game without some of his play, particularly with Luca on the bench. He was really, just really solid. And, you know, he's not going to always have perfect games. I, I There's elements of him where you can tell he is putting sort of the cart before the horse and how he wants to play. There's a lot of, there's expectations with his game. You know, he, he would probably not say that's the case. I mean, he gave, he gave a couple of really nice post-game quotes. Let me let me read one of them to you here. Um, what did he say? Where did it go? Uh, he said, Luca has been showing me love. He made every effort to give me the ball tonight. I love playing with these guys. That was on the Valley post-game. So there's really something here. Like there's there's something there, and the Mavericks need to leverage it because the season is so long. These guys are good basketball players. It's I understand that the defense is going to frustrate kid. I mean, he kid basically like like hey, you know, he in his post game interviews he's talking about how that they can't play any man to man defense. And it's like, okay, okay, we get it. We get that they're not great at this stuff, but at that point you have to leverage what your strengths are and figure out how to make these things work together and string together wins, which, you know, being 4 and 3 right now they could very easily be undefeated. They could also very easily have a couple more losses on their hands. I, I'm, I'm thinking back to where we were at this point last year, where we were all kind of like borderline disgusted with how they were playing, but they were also winning, so we didn't really know what to do. And I, I that's just sort of been in my head in that I want them I, – I would much rather look back around game 40 or 50 and say, remember when we were just really like frustrated by watching this team and that they figured it out? I don't know. I'm rambling at this point. Yeah, I got a couple things I can bounce off of. One, I understand why people are frustrated about the, you know, our response to anyone who's been freaking out in these first seven games has been, look at the track record, look at what they did last year, look what they did the year before. This team has a penchant for turning things around in the second half of the season. Don't let seven games uh, or seven, six games, five games, whatever, however many games, don't let that get in the way of the bigger picture. But on the other end of the floor, you know, fans are going to be fans and, and, you know, they live and die by the results of these games. And I understand that. And also, you know, the roster hasn't changed enough, I think, for the normal, the average fan to be like, oh, totally cool. I'm bought in. Like, I'll give you all the patience. So, you know, like usually when you're saying like, hey, we're working, we're figuring things out, patience. It's like for teams that are, you know, new parts or you're integrating a lot of new things. And it's like this is a second year kid, so it's not like they're they're integrating a new coach, and the roster is the exact same except for Christian Wood and JaVale McGee. You know, like how many you know a lot of Mavs fans have seen Luca play next to Finney Smith and Maxi and Hardaway and Powell, um, and now Bullock for a lot of minutes. And I think I can understand why some fans are frustrated, like like why is it taking so long when the pieces haven't really changed. And I and I think there's 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 answers there's reasons for that like you know like kids said every season's different you don't just roll it back and, and like I understand that but I'm just like to give some of the fans a, a break because I know we kind of I kind of kill them sometimes with the impatience after short games I get it like it's it, it can be frustrating to see a team that's relatively the same for the last three years still kind of look like they have to figure like why do they have to figure things out at the start of every season like i kind of I, I can kind of understand that even if you know there is a good reason for it 
Right. Um, another and then another thing is with Wood, like <laughs> the the not like Dinwiddie, Luca, and Wood combined for seventy four of the hundred and three points. Bad defense and all. If Wood doesn't play, if if he was benched for his poor defensive effort in the first half, the Mavericks might have scored eighty points tonight. Uh, regardless of how good they might have been on the defense, like they might have lost this game uh, ninety two to eighty. Like uh, no one else was doing anything. I mean, Reggie Bullock didn't make his uh, didn't score any points until the dagger clutch three pointer to seal the game. Dorian Can we had talk about points. him. Well, yeah, yeah. Let me finish my point on Wood real quick. We'll talk about Bullock. But so, like, I he just this is going to be the basis of a column I'm going to write. But I've got cobwebs tonight, so I apologize. I'm not going to be able to get to it tonight. But they just have to figure it out because he's he's the difference. Like, the roster is the exact same if it's not for yeah. him. He's the, like you've said it before. He's the ceiling raiser. He might be a floor. You know, he could maybe lower the floor if he doesn't work out. But like, also. He's the only thing on this team that that can make a difference between last season and this season. Otherwise, it's basically the same team minus your second best player, Brunson. So they have to get the most out of him. He's going to make mistakes, but you see the plays that he makes. Like he's not scoring twenty one points because like Luca is feeding him under the rim all game, or he's nailing a bunch of spot up looks. I mean, he's honest to God one of the few guys on this team that you can just kind of give the ball to and be like, do something, and he can do something, and he can attack closeouts. And he can operate in the space that the attention Luca gets, and he can he can take guys off the dribble in the mid post, and he can, you know, the coast to coast fast break. Like like Finney Smith can't do that, Bullock can't do that, Maxi can't do that, Dwight can't do that, you know, Tim can't do that as as we've seen over the last you know year and a half now. You know, they they have they have to play him and they have to figure it out. And when he plays, he has to get shots because that's his skill set. So it might look weird and and there might be some really ugly defensive possessions, but they traded for him. So they have to use, like, he's not like some, uh, you know, foster puppy that showed up on their doorstep when kid and Nico took over the team. Like they, this regime traded for him. So they need to be able to figure it out. They need to be able to get him shots. Uh, They need to be able to utilize his offensive gifts. Cause you can see in a game like tonight where the roster outside of Luca and outside of Dinwiddie, they didn't have it. He, he, his twenty-one points, you know, in a three-point game and a low-scoring three-point game. That's such a massive, massive impact into into how this game went. So uh, that's kind of all I have to say about Wood. We can talk about we can talk about Bullock now. Sorry, well, I, didn't, didn't want to I, I do want to note that the the difference with Wood is, is, and you know, we've watched a lot of basketball together. We've watched a lot of bad basketball together. I earnestly believe that when it comes to talent level and ability, Wood is probably the most skilled big that Luca has ever played with. We've seen guys that can do specific things in specific ways, but the all-around package, Wood and Luca's offensive game mesh. And that's where it's like we're when we're talking that they need to find ways to maximize it. That's sort of what we mean. And I had the criticism today online of Luca that I think Luca uses screens to mismatch hunt a hell of a lot more than he does to run an offense. The problem with that criticism is that it doesn't really hold water because it's, it's only a complaint if it doesn't work. Well, Luca scored 33 points tonight. What am I complaining about? <laughs> like that, there's it's, it's, it's bitching for the sake of bitching to a degree. Whereas 
the Luca as the superstar and as the person with the ball is going to have to find ways to get him the ball. And, and they did that tonight. I think there were oops, there were dives to the rim. There were, it was a lot more than just some of what we've seen the past few games where wood is sort of a bystander. So that's, that's my thoughts on it, but let's, let's talk about Reggie a little bit. What Reggie takes a lot of heat. And I guess I've just sort of, you know, for being, you know, one of the loudest Mavs complainers, my thoughts about Reggie boil down to this. I expect him to play well after about 25 games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the track record, right? He can't yeah. shoot in October or November. And that's like not like At a Mavs, Mavs thing. That's a career thing. Yeah, uh, ever, ever since he, yeah, ever since he's been a big – and, you know, he gets the benefit of the doubt, right? He's a 10-year vet. He's been on multiple teams that have been solid. He was on good Clippers teams. He was on the one good Knicks team in the last, like, 20 years. Uh, and, you know, he was the difference in last season when he went into the starting lineup when Tim got hurt. Like, the team turned it around uh, around that moment. So, yeah, he gets the benefit of the doubt. Uh, and, I mean, he's still playing pretty good defense. Like, the Jazz, like Conley and Clarkson didn't really do anything. I mean, they put up some shots, and, and they made a couple couple buckets, a couple three-pointers. But they weren't consistently good. Um, so, I think – Bullock deserves some credit for for being able to play defense through that. But yeah, unfortunately, uh, and it's like this for Dorian too. Dorian shoots what like twenty eight percent in the month of October for his career. Thankfully, the count the the calendars flipped to November. So those guys are just slow starters, and and it's just kind of it feels weird to be like, well, what's going on? And and it's like they did this last year. Pretty sure they did. You know, Finney Smith did it the year before that. So just kind of one of those things, you know. Like it's uh, you just gotta be patient with them. Well, that's kind of all we got. Um, I don't think – I, I love talking about basketball with you, which is why we always talk a little longer than we met. I don't think there's too much to read into about this game. They have a really tough contest on Friday against the Toronto Raptors, who have won their past two games by a combined 36.5 points, I think, is is maybe that. Yeah, they're 40, 43 and 30 has been their past two win margins. So – the Mavericks better come ready to play. The, the uh-huh. Toronto Raptors, the regular season Toronto Raptors do not fuck around. <laughs> they um, really do not. Um, yeah, pa- Pascal Siakam, they have a bunch of length. They play super hard. So the lackadaisical horseshit that the Mavericks have come out with is not going to work against against Toronto, uh, it, it, even if it's on their home court. Now, if they start this game with the same uh... – uh, if they same vigor that they started this game with, they'll be down. They'll be down like thirty-five to fifteen at the end of the first quarter. I, mean, I wouldn't. I, I just listen. They gotta be ready. So, post game, uh, Jason. Uh, this is from Cali Kaplan, Dallas Morning News. Jason Kidd lauded Dwight Powell and said the Mavs need to start quarter one better. Do you consider Dwight Powell a starter? Kid responds, "If I can start six, yeah." I'll take the tea. I'll pay the fine. No, but he deserves it. And that'll be something we talk about. So we'll see. The you know, boiling back to what we talked about at the beginning with McGee, even though I don't necessarily think tonight is on him, there is enough of a sample size to where it's like he's just not bringing what they need. And until he does, they're like you can't get off to rough starts. And and you know, if they start McGee on Friday, which I honestly think they will because I just their kid is nothing if not stubborn. 
Um, and, and that's the sort of thing that's going to stick. If, if they get like blown off the court in the first quarter, it maybe it's going to take a game like that, like a real butt whooping for them to, cause that's the other thing. They've really not gotten their asses handed to them quite yet. It's just been nope. <laughs> three, the three losses that they've had have been stupid, not bad. Like maybe they need like a bad loss for them to wake it up. If that makes sense. Yeah. And if, you know. They promised him, like, the reason why McGee is here and not in Milwaukee is because they promised him a starting job. So to take that away from him seven games in, you know, they have to play something. It sucks, but they kind of have to play the politics game and, and they have to manage things like, uh, you know, it, it's stupid. But, I mean, they've got McGee signed to this this season and two more full seasons. So uh, if they don't trade him, like, they have to – Sounds so stupid to appease a player that only plays like eight or twelve minutes a game, but there's some locker room management there. Is all I'll say like they 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 have to probably be a little bit little a little delicate um, to figure it out. But yeah, you're probably right. Uh, oh, and then one more thing I wanted to bring up before we go sure. uh, is I think a big difference tonight um, is that we did you know the two most high leverage offensive possessions for the Mavericks. Um, Luka Doncic didn't take a shot. Um, you know, Spencer, you know, Reggie Bullock, uh, made, you know, that open three pointer after he got the double. Um, and then Spencer made a, a short shot in the paint to get him to that six point lead with about, you know, two minutes left. And then I think Spencer had another, after the Bullock jumper, Spencer had another opportunity. He missed the white, you know, he created himself a nice little mid range look and he missed it. So, you know, Luca did have a step back with a minute left that he missed, but otherwise he kind of conceded a little bit in the in the mm-hmm. final minute. So we'll we'll see if that has you know if if that's a pattern or if that just is how tonight's game played out. Man, what a weird start to the season! The Mavericks are four and three. <laughs> um, Spencer Dinwiddie is shooting forty six percent from three. Sorry, I just need to look that up. Like it's such a funny number. He it's, it's such a yeah. funny number. They've played six clutch games and had a seven. Like it's oh a weird season sure. so far. Sure. Luka Doncic <laughs> is probably an MVP front runner for anybody who cares about that stuff. Oh, yeah. By the way, Luka has scored over 30 points in every single game. Seven straight games. And he, he tied someone, uh, somebody. Broke one of Wilt's record. I mean, part broke- is the next person up on the. The next person up on the list, like with starting a season with 30 point games after six, there was one guy. So Luca tied him for seventh. I can't remember who it is. It's an older guy that none of us know. So it's, don't kill me on this. But then the next person is Wilt Chamberlain at 23. So if <laughs> Luke, <laughs> like Luca's just kind of sitting in rarefied air is the point. And normally with the like Wilt stats, you're like, oh, that's just one of those things. But man, I don't know. This season, it's. <laughs> They might need Luca to score thirty points in twenty straight games if they want to have a if they want to have a solid record. So we'll see. The, the immortal he's tied with with the immortal Jack Twyman. Um, Wilt also started the season with eight. So you know if, if Luca scores thirty points against the Toronto Raptors, oh, it's yeah. special. Like that's yeah. nuts. Like the Raptors are good at defense. Anyways, well I'm 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 giving yeah. you too long. You want to go to bed? That's okay. All right, Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow talking too much, but having a good time. Please come to MavsMoneyBall.com. We got all sorts of stuff coming up. Um, we got a piece coming tomorrow about our guy Josh Green, who we did not get a chance to really talk about tonight. I will say just to close it out here, Josh Green hit two open threes 
he took the open threes. I am so pleased about that. I can't describe it, but there's more about his plus minus and sort of what he's doing while he's on the floor that we have coming up tomorrow. Um, I want to say my guy, Matthew Phillips is writing a little something about Luka Doncic and screens. Don't know when that's going to go up. We have lots of stuff. We're trying, you know, the game coverage, there's a relentless drumbeat of stuff happening all the time. We don't cover nearly everything that happens. For example, Jaden Hardy got sent up and down to the G League. We're not going to write on that every time because that's going to happen all season long. But please pop by Mavs Moneyball. Uh, tell your friends about the podcast. Download Spotify Live and listen to me uh, and talking to fans. We have a good time there. Uh, this has been Kirk Henderson and Josh Poe, and we will see you guys on Friday night.